When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Least Talk Forever. Uh, sorry we couldn't be with you last week. We had some uh, personal matters come up, but we are back with you this week. All three of us, Kyle, Scott, and myself, Spencer. Um, big thank you to all the listeners from the last episode. We had a whopping 2,120, wow, sorry, my bad, 2,121 downloads um, on the Leaf Season Review uh, podcast uh, while we're talking about uh, the podcast. I'm just going to scroll down. Scroll down here. We're going to welcome Finland, uh, the new country's Finland. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Germany before, but if I did, I don't know if you guys remember. If I haven't, welcome. I don't know. I don't remember if I rem- if I mentioned Portugal. So they're new. Uh, Slovakia is new. Um, Romania, South Korea, uh, Italy, Slovenia, uh, Cambodia, Kenya, Jamaica, Honduras. Uh, Grenadad, I think I said that right. Um, Belgium and uh, Bulgaria. Welcome. I, I, I'm super shocked that we're getting people from all over the world listening to this podcast. I don't know if it's a one off or if they're continuous listeners, but regardless, I hope you stay if it's a one off. And if you like the podcast, obviously subscribe. Uh, we're just going to get right into it. Obviously, Leaf Stock Forever uh, is a partnership with Inside the Rank, Inside the Rank at Twitter. Uh, Go to their website, like, uh, and view the uh, the articles that we put out. And we're going on episode 15, so Scott's going to hit us with the start of Jersey Numbers. Let's hit it. Yeah, it's my, uh, I think I've, I've said this almost every podcast we've done so far. For some reason, my favorite Leafs are Jersey Numbers we haven't done. Uh, so again, this week, uh, with 15, I, I went with uh, Alexander Kerfoot. Not necessarily my, my favorite Leaf all time, or even my favorite Leaf on the team right now. Uh, but, yeah, good depth guy, can play up and down the lineup, contributes when he needs to. Uh, yeah, not really my favorite, but just a 15 that I recognized, and obviously most people would recognize because he plays on the team today. Uh, Kyle, who you got? Yeah, my uh, my leaf that I chose with number 15 was Matt Martin. Uh, wasn't a point points getter for the team for sure. Uh, fourth line enforcer. Spent his uh, spent his time uh, using his knuckles for the most part, um, as well as sitting in the penalty box. Of course, um, he had a tendency of making people mad by being on the ice and stirring the pot up a little bit. And because of that, I uh, I really enjoyed his presence on the Leafs. Now, when Spencer gets into his in a second, this will be a big one for him. Uh, which he'll mention right now. Yeah. Number 15, my favorite number on the Leafs, uh, Thomas Carberley, my all-time favorite player. Love this guy. He's a 99 in every video game I've ever played. He was a legend. His brother, not so good. Uh, no, he's not actually a 99 in every video game. 
But every time I have a game with Thomas Carver in it, he's on my team and he's a 99. I don't care if he's 45 or if he's 21. He's the greatest player of all time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly the reason why I started liking him to begin with. He just offensive, defensive. Well, actually, I guess in a sense when I was younger and I used to play video games, fifteen or um, offensive defenseman was the role that I always picked. I don't know why. I think it was because of him. But, yeah, he just seems special. Uh, we haven't really seen a defenseman on the team like him since. Uh, no offense to Morgan Riley, but, yeah, great guy. And uh, he's my idol. So if you listen to this, Thomas Garbley, send me a jersey or something. I don't know. Maybe your. To be fair, though. To be fair, though, when we used to play NHL '99 or NHL 2000, you used to make every player on the Leafs the '99s. They had to be. They play on my favorite team. I don't care if Aki Berg sucked. Load the game and Toronto. Toronto Leafs go 82 and 0, and you look at the roster, and everybody's a 99. Yeah, then I would just be like, I don't know, eating pudding or something, and you'd be like, Spence, why are all these guys in 99? My response would always be, they play on the Leafs. They have to be. It's the truth. Well, not, yeah. so any, not so much anymore. I'm not like that. But uh, I do have a tendency when I play video games to get every Toronto Leaf player. Scott comes into my bedroom. I'm just playing. He's like, ah, I see that you've got this person, this person, this person. He's like, you got the same guys every time. I'm like, yeah, they play on the Leafs. What can I say? Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, Thomas Carberley, great guy. Again, if you... Uh, Listen to this podcast. Message us. Give me my phone, give me your phone number so we can text. Um, hit it with the classics, Scott. Yeah. So classics this week. There's quite a few. Uh, some of them not necessarily as famous as other ones, but still uh, known in the hockey community. Uh, starting out with Howie Meeker, and then George Armstrong, Gary Unger, Britt Selby, uh, Bob McGill, Jim Benning, and Dmitry Miranov. I'm not really going to go into much of a breakdown because. I'd be sitting here for 20 minutes with the nine players that I just listed. But if you're a Leafs fan or in the case of Jim Benning, Bob McGill, a hockey fan, then you'd know who these, these people are. So just some important notes that we're going to take, uh, take into consideration this week. Um, let's just start this off by talking about a uh, big, big depth player in the Leafs. Um, Big role model for the younger players, Jason Spezza retiring. Um, and as right as he retired, we uh, we were told that he took a front office role next to uh, Kyle Dubas, helping Dubas with uh, some managerial positioning. Uh, what's your guys' take on this? I was shocked, actually. I thought he would have came back for another year, especially after how he – like the. I mean, you could argue his – post-game, Game 7 press conference. You could argue that he was done with hockey, but I thought it was more of a, we're coming back next year and we're going to win because like I need to win before I retire. So I thought he was going to come back for at least another year anyway. But I was kind of shocked when I heard that he retired. I was also shocked he went into front office and not in coaching. I thought he would have been more inclined to go with the coaching route as opposed to a scout or GM route, but Apparently, he's a big hockey guy. He watches tape and all that, so I'm not surprised he went into any kind of role outside of playing. Uh, I actually listened to um, a rookie from Bourne the other day, and Justin Bourne did the same, similar thing. He tried to go into hockey ops, and he said for a guy that has Jason Spitz's, um like hockey mind, he'll probably end up in player development. Um, and, and end up being bored of it, because apparently, I mean, obviously, it's a big difference, but 
I wasn't super shocked when I heard the Kyle Dubas press conference with uh, Jason Spets, and they said like this offseason they're going to get him on introducing to or introduced to the salary cap, to scouting, to uh, PR, to all of this different kind of stuff involved in trades, involved in drafting. Um, he's basically going to get a, a brief summary of the of the GM role in what two three months. So I think after that you could see him being maybe transition to coaching but i have heard i have seen like actual uh valid validated people on social media like in the hockey industry say that he wouldn't have an issue getting a getting a gm drop he's just that knowledgeable that good of a guy that big of a reputation so it would be cool like i wrote in my article it would be cool for him to take over as gm of the leafs if kyle Dubas does get canned for sure and um with a guy who's been in the around the game of hockey for this long he can uh at this point he's uh he's just starting really with his i don't want to uh i guess you could say uh post professional hockey i guess this could be like the start towards his retirement like of everything but it's funny because these hockey players go into retirement uh just from professional hockey but they don't actually retire they're still making uh, a crap ton of money doing stuff like this, but uh, yeah, I, I feel as though he could uh, he could do very well for this uh, position, and he could it could be a start of big things to come for him for sure. Well, and especially a player of his caliber, right? Like he's kind of in the when maybe second tier of like like there's the greatest of all times, the Gretzky's, the Lemieux's, the the Howes, the Ors, whatever. I place him in the next level of guys that are like. I mean, I don't. I don't think he got to a thousand points, but he should have got to a thousand points. But they're like considered legends in the game, or or all time greats, or whatever. And it feels like that. Just yeah, his knowledge of hockey would make it more an easy transition to get to that position where they don't necessarily need to go into depth on scouting or or player development because he already knows what it takes or what to look for in a player because he's played with thousands of players and and seen thousands of players, right? Yeah, he was five points behind, or from a thousand. Yeah, but I mean, it sucks. In all actuality, he probably should have got to a thousand. It's just due to injury. Yeah, well, there was that one season earlier in the year uh, in his career with Ottawa when he he had back surgery, and then he played like half the year, and then ended up getting injured again. That was like yeah. the first year he played on Alfredson's line, so he probably would have had mega points that year, like kind of like a mega pint, but mega points. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I guess coaching would have been, I mean, this is going off former like great players all time. They seem to have a harder time trans, translating what they want or what their game was into coaching. Like if you look at Wayne Gretzky when he coached Phoenix or Arizona, but Phoenix at the time, like they, they weren't a good team. I don't know. Obviously on paper they weren't a good team, but you think with him as the coach, he'd at least uh, make a few players stand out. But it just seemed like he had a hard time translating what he would do in a game or even the style of systems that he would want to play based on what he knows. And it seems, I don't know if it was that the players had a hard time understanding it or he had a hard time explaining it to them. So maybe that was a, a turnoff for him for coaching is that he didn't want the disconnect to be there where the way he played the game isn't how everybody plays the game. So he might've thought there'd be a miscommunication or a misunderstanding in that, in that regard. Whereas GM, most people know in, of his level or even most GMs in the league know what it takes to, to make the NHL. So, probably an easier role for him. Now, along the lines of this, now that we're talking about Spezza, 
just playing with the Leafs this past year, obviously, and then going into a management position for the Leafs. Um, it's obviously very, very different going from playing, and then now he's going to be watching the team he just played with. Uh, less than a year, it'll be like six months, I guess, uh, if you're talking uh, May to May, June, July, August, September. Okay, five, five months. Sorry. Bad math. Yeah. Five months going? From, from there till yeah, apparently I can't. Uh, math wasn't my best. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. We um, can tell. So from <laughs> that until September, late September, early October, um, was there any other players that you guys know of um, that went from retiring straight to a management position on the same team that they just retired from. Mara Lemieux. Well, he bought the team. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a little different, but yeah, it's a little, but I'm just curious. Cause I, I don't, I don't know of any other players that have gone straight into like a position like this or not any that I know of on the top of my head. Yeah, I can't think of any. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Chris Drury, but I don't think he did. But I think that this, this is going to benefit Spezza. This will definitely benefit Spezza, and it'll already give him a uh, kind of a one-up versus a player that or uh, someone that they'd be bringing in that hadn't recently played with the team. Um and has kind of been retired from professional hockey for a while. I think this will benefit Spezza for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think he's made for it too. Like even when he was talking, um, like the what was it? The press conference after the they got beat out. Like he was he was answering the questions without actually answering the questions, which is typically what GMs do, right? Um, you just think like, oh yeah, we're saying like, oh yeah, we'll 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 talk about it. I'll talk to the team. I'll talk to management. Blah blah blah. Like that's just like GM style answers too. So yeah, I think he's I think he's got the right fit. But I also was like Scott said, I was super surprised that he didn't take a role in coaching. I thought for sure he was going to be made like assistant coach or player development coach or fuck even head coach. But um, yeah, I think that he'll no matter what role he wants, he'll get it. Um, now a lot of hockey prodigy too. Like he was drafted and, and they, they coined him like a hockey prodigy. Obviously people are saying that he should have 1500 points if he's a hockey prodigy, but that's just stupidity. Yeah. That's, you can't, can't predict everything, right? Like stuff happens, injuries, like you had mentioned his back. Um, how many, how many seasons did he play on the line with Heatley and Alfredson? I think nine. Oh, on that line, I think like yeah. uh, six or something. Okay. His back. back he had some good rivalries with the Leafs. Oh, for sure. We everyone on the Leafs hated Alfredson. Every Leafs fan hated Alfredson. It's funny, but yeah. Um, moving on. Um, Giordano, Giordano resigning for a what was it? Two year. 800,000 a year. Yeah, that's a wild contract, man. That was quite something. Um, was it you, Spencer, who had mentioned something about how he was 
given a he was given that he was um, offered a higher number, but yeah, apparently it was reported. Like, so there was a couple of reports coming up before he actually signed. One one uh, report that I read said that he could get as high if he wanted to, as high as like uh, three and a half to five million dollars for one year, um, just on how he played this year, like forty two points. Um, if there's a team that I'm sure there's teams that would be willing to pay. Um, and then I heard that the Leafs and him were. We're talking about two million dollars per, which kind of made me a little bit scared to think, like, oh gosh, two million dollars, how are they going to fit that? And then I, the last report from Elliot Freeman was he he decided on a million, and the million was set, and then they walked away from negotiations, came back a little bit later the next day, whatever, and he said he'll take eight hundred thousand to use the extra two hundred thousand. Not that it's much, but that two hundred thousand could get Jack Campbell at three point five, right? Instead of three point three three. Or uh, sorry, three point three. So, um, yeah, I mean, another hometown discount, and, and allegedly there's some kind of workings with Jack, uh, Jason Spezza that he had had talked to Mark Giordano about taking less. So, just kind of the that that same kind of style, right? Guy grows up here. Guy wants to play for the team. He wants to try and make a difference. Wants to try and get them over the hump. So, I'll welcome it. Nine hundred thousand for Gio, or eight hundred thousand, sorry. Yeah, I think if if he signed for any more than two, then either Muzzin or Hall were getting traded 100%. But I feel like now that he's signed for less, Muzzin might stay be traded. There's rumors that L.A., he he might be traded back back to L.A. I don't know how valid those rumors are. But, yeah, I feel like if if he signed for any more than two, then Muzzin or Hall or both would have had to have been moved on defense to fit him in there with with that contract. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I still think with the left side being Riley, Muzzin, Sandine, Giordano, I, I I don't see them sitting Giordano. Like People are like, oh, Giordano will be the seventh-rate defenseman. He's fine out that he took less. No, I think he took less to play on the team. Yeah. So then they could improve and improve in positions that they may not have improvements uh, if he took $2 million, right? Um, so, yeah, Lilligren's, I mean. Lilligren's left side too, isn't he? No, he's right. It's Brody that's left. But he plays yeah, right. Yeah, he plays right, yeah. And then Sandine plays right sometimes, but... Yeah, yeah, he can play right. But, I mean, like, realistically, I think the ideal world would be to leave Lilligren and Sandine kind of left and right together uh, down the road. But but the the, the thing that, that makes me mad is, like, people are actually under the impression that Giordano might not be able to play at the pace that he played at this year. Like, it could. He could. That could happen. But why would they work so hard to get him back so then he doesn't sign with other teams? Excuse me, dude pay, uh, takes a pay cut just so then they could say, okay, you're sitting 25, 30, 40 games of the year. Like, I don't, I don't see that happening. I think, as Scott mentioned, it was reported by The Athletic. Well, I mean, originally reported by me, but we'll give the <laughs> credible sources their, their, their stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was reported that L.A. would be the one because he has a 10-team no-trade clause. And uh, or a full new no movement clause, I think actually, and, and LA would be the team that he'd go back to. Which, if you read my article about Jake Muzzin, I'm gonna plug it in. I did say that, and I said it like two days or a day before the Athletics. So, uh, yeah, basically listen to our podcast and read my articles, and you'll get all the inside scoops. But how would you guys even, feel about that? What Muzzin going back to LA? Yeah, but I know I, I I'm not talking about like necessarily to LA. Like, sure, like, we can talk about the package that you get, whatever. But like, how would you feel about now the left side being 
Riley well, Sandy move, Gio. They have to move someone. Because if, if they if they I'm pretty sure in the press conferences they said they assured that Lilligren Sandy would get more playing time, did they not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then you have Brody, Muzzin, Hall, Riley, Labushkin, Giordano as six defensemen right there. Plus Sandino and Lilligren. That's eight. So someone has to get moved if, if you guarantee those guys or promise those guys more ice time. That's assuming Labushkin comes back, right? We don't really know. Well, true, but I, I, I feel like the, 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 the front office likes Labushkin and he be, kind of became a fan favorite. I don't think. And he brings something that we don't have. Yeah. Like people say that we that. have what Labushkin brings. I don't see that. I mean, if Muzzin it. played, if Muzzin played, like obviously he's been dealing with injuries, but if he played the way he normally would play, then he's a, I think he's more physical than Labushkin is. Yeah, he he can be like I'm not. I, you're right. I'm just saying like in in the back depth of the of the defense. If you if you take Jake Muzzin and put him in the top three of pairing a defense, and he's a reliable defenseman, like in the back half, who's going to take that role? Justin Hall. Like I, I don't see it. I think that Labushkin would need like even if it's Labushkin Geo on the last line, like and then Brody Riley Sandy Lilligren, and then you mix in a Labushkin or a Justin Hall, like. Still, I think that you're right. One of the guys needs to be moved, and I think Jake Musson is. And We've proven that we can play without him. I, I still feel they're going to sign another defenseman, though. I could see that definitely happening. Like, as because, far as our depth right now, like, we have a ton of depth. Um, you probably have to get rid of someone, but, yeah, like you said, Scott, I could still see them signing an under-the-radar kind of smaller contract, kind of like a uh, someone – Someone like Michael Bunting, but on on defense, obviously looking for that that steal that Dubis comes out out of, and uh, he'll he'll probably find someone. Yeah, I uh, I don't know who who it is. I don't have any players off the top of my head that would fit that role. But I just with if Brody wants to play left, he he'll, he'll probably agree to play right side again. But then you have Hall, Labushkin, and then Lilligren as the next three in your right side depth. I, I feel like you need another solid right side D to fit into that lineup as opposed to those three guys. Which, which again, takes away playing time from Sandine Lilligren, which maybe one of them is going to get moved. But I, I, I don't know. I just had a feeling, have a feeling that they're going to add another defenseman that's on the right side during free agency. Um, I think so from what I've, what I've just like, obviously I, I don't, I'm not the most credible guy in this podcast. I'm not saying that at all, but from what I listen to on podcasts, I, I probably listen to more sports, like hockey, least related podcasts than you guys. So I, I hear a lot of the chatter that people are saying and, and they're saying that, um, Muslin is gone. Justin Hall is most likely gone. Um, and Toronto will bring in a depth defenseman similar to a Zach Bogosian style. That's what I've heard. But if they bring in someone like Zach Bogosian style, but younger, like say twenty five, twenty six, then you guys would be bang on with the with the Leafs Michael Bunting defensive comparison. Yeah, but then that that would still take ice time away from either Sandine or Lilligren. And at this point, yeah, I feel and- like it's Sandine because I, I Lilligren played well with Giordano throughout the end of the year and into the playoffs. I well, I. I did hear Justin Bourne suggest that they they use Rasmus Sandin as a, tra- a trade chip as well as Jake Muzzin. 
but right. then you would just be short and you'd just be replacing Rasmus Sandin with a, another defenseman. Like, and, and, and let's be real, it's already been stated. Apparently, the agents in Sandin and Lilligrant understand and know what's going on. Apparently, there's a there's conversations or negotiations happening about a bridge contract similar to, I forget the guy's name, and I forget what team he plays on, but it was like two, one and a half to $2 million for like three years. I think that was the, the, the type of deal that they're trying to get done or one to one and a half million for three years. I don't know if that's true. I, I just saw a guy on Twitter say that. It was no like legit, like legitimacy behind it. But like if you're if you're getting standing for three years at one and a half, that's and he's what twenty one, twenty two, like he could be Morgan Riley by the time his contract's over. Like, are you really going to trade him for to be a part of a trade chip to try and bring in who? Like and, and Scott mentioned this before yeah. to me like a couple maybe like a week ago. I always say the same guy that I want a forward, and that's. Tyler Bertuzzi, but like, who are they going to get for Rasmus Sandin and, and then move on Jake Muslin's contract, but then still have to sign a goalie? And, you know, I could only see Rasmus Sandin going if it involves, like, I don't know, like a, a top five goalie in the league. Like, I don't know, like, what do you guys think? Like, next year, if Rasmus Sandin goes and they bring in some left handed defenseman, like, what's really going to happen? Like, what's that deal worth, or what's that deal for? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, go ahead, Scott. No, no, you go. Um, I mean, Erasmus Sandin, um, he's still gonna bring in a lot if you were to trade him as a uh, trade piece. But at this point, um, I'd I'd still keep him. Uh. Last year is unfortunate that injury towards the end of the year and then playoffs. Um, I would have loved to see him in playoffs, how he would compete in playoffs. But uh, I, I still think he's worth a uh, he's still worth a ton. Um, if they were to trade him, your question was if if we were to trade him to Detroit for Bertuzzi. No, like I'm just saying, like that's the guy I would trade for up front. For. But like if you're getting rid of Sandine and Muzzin, and you're clearing, say. I don't know what's Muslim's contract, just under six, maybe yeah. altogether say six million dollars. What do you bring him back? Because you 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 would have to bring back a goalie if you're bringing if you're trading those two pieces down. Like I don't see them trading Sandine just to get JT Miller. Like I would feel like their 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 priority is to get Sandy and Lilligren to like elite level defense. Like I just. It just it, I'm just confused on why people would throw even Sandin's. Like I understand it's just one person, but like if other people are saying this, I'm just confused on what their deal would be to get rid of Sandin. Well, I, I think it would be a, a top right-handed defenseman. I, I I feel like Muzzin would just be the salary dump. You could add a couple depth guys on forward with through him, but Sandin and then maybe whatever prospect pick whatever. But if that if you're getting rid of Muzzin and Sandine and if Hall is moved, then that means Brody can move back to the left side, which means Lilligren can play with Giordano, Labouche can stay with Riley, but then you just add that other top four right side defenseman who can play with Brody. And then the whatever else depth guys you get for the Giordano or whatever the other pieces in the trade would be. But if you're gonna move two defensemen in one in two defensemen in one trade, then you have to look to be getting the defenseman back because it will leave a hole in your lineup. Yeah, and then like there's no like I mean I guess there's options in free agency, but like 
I just don't understand if you're if I'm trading Sandine, if I'm Kyle Dubas and I've got an offer for for Rasmus Sandine, it's for like uh I mean the only goal that comes to mind really is John Gibson. Even like say Freddie Anderson's um defense style, obviously Jacob Chitrin. But like I, I wouldn't just throw Sandine away in a trade just because you have too many defense because that's like that's just what people think. Like for years they've said Toronto doesn't have enough depth. And now when we have enough depth, it's like we don't need depth. We only need six defense. Who are you going to sit on all the time? Yeah. It just kind of confuses me. And then you get like people tweeting like, oh, Rasmus Sandin in a deal for Trevor Moore. Like what's that going to do? You're trading. (laughs) That wasn't actually a deal. But like I don't think people realize that Rasmus Sandin is going to be like their core defense. In this case, though, I think they're – you have – of like who you're gonna sit is a valid argument. Like yeah, yeah, it's good to have depth, but when you have actual eight guys who like are should be playing, like most teams, seventh defenseman is a guy who is okay with rotating in and on lineup or is a minor leaguer, like veteran guy who can go up and down. But in the case of Toronto, it's Riley or Riley Lilligren and Sandine, and like those guys are so young, they like they should be playing. So that. Who are you going to sit for them to play is at this point is a valid ar- argument, I think. Justin Hall. Well, yeah, Justin Hall, but then for some reason he must have dirt on Sheldon Keefe or something because he's still getting put in the lineup. <laughs> but yeah, but then you still have Sandine on the left side. You're not going to sit Giordano, Riley, Brody for him or Muzzin. Well, there is options in the minors like Philip Kral. Um, and uh, Christian Rubens, left and right. And there's oh. also Matt Hollowell, who's also Dahlstrom. Right. Do we have Dahlstrom yeah. still? Yeah. And but, I know what those, you're saying, Scott. I'm just mean like yeah, if those, you did trade. Yeah. Pardon? But as of right now, with the eight defensemen you have, like those are eight pretty much NHL guys. Like Riley, Sandina at this point are just kind of trying to break into their bottom, like, bottom pair. But you don't want them to sit 40, 50 games in the year and only play 30. Yeah, no, but okay, I should have mentioned like that. Those guys that I mentioned were worth the extras for if you got Rem Muzzin and, and Justin Hall, and then you just had. Oh yeah, uh, no, no. I was just talking about like Riley as we're currently Wait, constructed. That still wouldn't. That's oh yeah, I guess it would. Riley Labushkin. I would put Sandy with Brody, and then Giordano, Lilligren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right though. This, I this this is a weird one, but I would put Labushkin with Sandin. And I know, like, everybody kind of sometimes rips on Labushkin for not being the greatest defender. But if you put a defensive-minded guy, like, Brody's more kind of in the middle. He joins the rush more than he did the first year he was here. But he's also good defensively. But, like, Labushkin is specifically, like, stay-at-home guy. Then that gives Sandine the chance to develop his offensive game and not have to worry about getting back for Justin Hall or or Timothy Lilligren and cover on defense because Labushkin will be there. That's true. That's and then that leaves Brody going back with Riley, which the first year they played together, I thought they played well. And then Giordano with Lilligren, if that's your other two guys, which if they continue to play at the end of this year, then that's another great pairing right there. Yeah, that's that's true. And then you could also throw a Geo Brody and a uh, Sandy and Lilligren together at some point, and, and then Riley and, and Labushkin, if you did do that at any point in the season, they have had experience playing together. So, yeah, that, that would work. Yeah, and then that leaves Giordano, Brody, Labushkin to be your PK. And then Riley, 
to be your first power play defenseman, and then Lilligrand Sandin can alternate on the second unit. Yeah, or Lilligrand well, PK. There is some people saying um, Toronto should do whatever they can to get Jacob Chitrin to play with Mark Riley. That would be unreal. Um, yeah, but I feel yeah, like he, he's like four million. So that's also going to cost an arm and a leg to get him. Yeah, uh, if, I think if if Arizona is going to give up Jacob Chitrin, then I think they're going to be asking for one of the bigger prospects Toronto has. And I don't think Toronto wants to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, one second. Just was on him. Um, I actually listened to Thirty Two Thoughts uh, the day was it Thirty Two Thoughts or Jeff Merrick's show? One of the two. The day after the press conference that they had, and Kyle or Elliot Freeman, I think. I I mean, someone can correct me if if I'm wrong. Man. If you do whatever, but I'm pretty sure I heard Elliot Freeman say, uh, besides the three players that uh, Kyle Dubas named at the deadline or at the press conference, which was uh, uh, to be Nimella, I think that's how you say his name. That's how Kyle Dubas said so it. Uh, okay. Yeah, but apparently it's Nimella. Oh. Um, what's his name there? Rodion Avroff and uh, Holmberg or whatever. And yeah, well, Matthew Nice, but those are the three players. Like, obviously. Um, Rodian Amaroff was actually asked. Oh, there's one other one. Uh, I'll get to it in a second. Amaroff was only asked because he has cancer. So, um, Hervinen or... was, uh, yeah, Hervinen, yeah, yeah. And, or and then uh, Holmberg or whatever his name is. Yeah, he, he's a Ford, but apparently those three are the only people that they like, those are like their untouchables and the prospect pool because they think that they'll challenge for a spot. Well, Hervinen and Namella have to go back to. Uh, their respective team is based on the overseas contract, but um, like those are the three players that LA Freeman said would probably be untouchable. So there is a lot of prospects that Toronto has, and a lot, apparently a lot of teams like Toronto's depth at prospect and prospect in the prospect pool. So it could be done, but yeah, you'd have to give up someone major or a couple well, first round picks, and they'll they'll specifically be asking for one of those guys. Like they're not oh, just going to give yeah. Jacob Chitrin up for some Joe Blow who's never yeah, going to make it. They, like, yeah. Toronto's going to have to give up one of their better prospects, and at this point, yeah, I, they don't want to. Unless you somehow swindle, like Kyle Dubas seems to be good at at uh, under the radar kind of deals. So you maybe he could make it work by giving up some like roster players they have, whether it's like Kerfoot or maybe Nylander if if that's the route you, you have to go. But at, at this point, I don't see them getting rid of their their bigger top five or six prospects. And I think that's what Arizona is going to want because they're looking for the future when they have Austin Matthews and all the prospects who they trade and draft and develop. Um, while we're talking about this, Kyle, let's skip ahead to the 25th pick in the draft and we'll come back to the other least re- non-least related things after because this will yeah. go right into now that we're talking about prospects into the potential prospects we can get at the, at the draft. Okay. Yeah, so um, Leafs obviously been uh, solidified with the 25th pick in the draft. It's been confirmed uh, Confirmed now. Um, who do you guys think is a good fit on as as our 25th pick? Who do you think would be a good, good fit? I know it's a um, heavily, heavily... Um, very very depth, big depth in this draft, and uh, lots of it. And um, we see a lot of big names. Um, even going down to twenty five, 
compared to other uh, other years, we see that there's some big names even down at the uh, end of the first round. So what's, what's your guys' take on uh, on who you think would fit well with the Leafs? This guy you want to go first? or? Uh, yeah, I can go first. I, I don't really know that many players in the draft. I haven't really been paying attention because – I usually just watch the Leafs and then I watch the draft. They'll talk about them there, and that's when I know them. But I don't know. I I I can see Toronto trading the pick if they're looking to acquire a, another defenseman or a, a goalie or even a top six, top nine forward. I could see them moving the pick, even if they just trade it down to an early second round pick. But I don't really know that many prospects. I have to pull up the list while someone else is talking and look through them. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll go on a couple people that are supposed to be ranked around there. Um, um, so Toronto, yeah, Toronto has a twenty fifth pick. Obviously, their every kind of mock draft is different. Um, I I had my own mock draft, but it's not updated to now, so I'm just going to look online and see what players are scheduled to go around there. There's Owen Pickering. Uh, he's from Swift Current at the WHL. He's six foot four, hundred and seventy-five or seventy-nine pounds. Big dude. I believe he's a right-handed shot. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I think that he could be an option for Toronto. He's slated to go twenty-fifth on this one website that I'm looking at, so it could be in and out. I've seen him going to the late, early second round. Another person following that, Owen Train, Owen Beck. He's going to be a late first, early second round pick. Potentially could go middle first, depending on what what's seeing him. But if Toronto gets him, I think he'll be a, a, another one of the Matthew Nyes type um, steals in the draft. Another one that I would look forward. Um, uh, sorry, Owen Beck. Is, yeah, as I mentioned, Matthew Nyes. He's also forward. Um, there's one other player or two other people that I would I would think Toronto could go after, but one of them's kind of a sleeper pick. Um, uh, he's supposed to go into the early second round, late late first round. Is Jack Hughes? who's Ken Hughes of the Montreal Canadiens' uh, son. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a four. Apparently, uh, allegedly, he can play all the positions. Uh, he did have a good day, uh, was World Championship? What, what just finished World Championship, right? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Uh, um, I yeah, think he yeah, scored on a, on a shoot-on goal. Championship, yeah. yeah, I think he scored on sorry, an overtime goal. So, look that up. He seems like a... I know he's a good player. And lastly, Ty Nelson. He's a smaller defenseman. He's got some offensive upside, defensive de- uh, upside. Good, you, decent two-way play, but he's small. You cut out five, pounds. Uh, I'll just repeat everything I just said. Ty Nelson, he's a 5'8", 172-pound. He has decent two-way game. Uh, he plays for North Bay. Uh, he's But he's supposed to go middle, uh, kind of like 40 to 42 or 32. 38 to 42 in the in the round. So, I mean, just it really depends because, like, Ruddy and Amaroff, no one really saw that one coming, and, and they seemed to strike gold with them. So, yeah, I uh, hope that bought you guys enough time to try and look up some players, and and we'll have a little discussion about it. <laughs> Pardon? Um, I have a question, actually. Again, like, reading the players' names isn't going to help me because I don't know how they play other than position. It doesn't really tell me much. So, if the Leafs decide to draft a defenseman, do you think they should try to get... I noticed there was a couple guys in the 25 to 40 range defensemen that were from the United States Hockey League. 
do you think the Leafs should try to go that route? Because that gives them four years instead of the two or that the OHL would have. That way, because right now we already mentioned the log jam at defense. And if you get a guy, usually a first-round guy, then he's expected to be in your in your NHL lineup within two or three years, unless they're a top pick, then they're right away pretty much. So do you think they should go the route of trying to draft someone from the college, American colleges, instead of the OHL? So that way they have that four-year grace period where they can try to work out, have a spot ready for them? Um. Uh, see, I th- I think you could go that route. Um, I know the Leafs recently have a tendency of taking um Swedish defensemen, so I feel like they might they could change. Not that it's just because they've taken Swedish defensemen recently, but um, I feel like they they might change things up and they might go with an American defenseman and what you said might benefit them for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that happening. Well, I only brought that up because obviously they have some holes in forward now, but usually a, a late five, well, six, seven now, like the last six, seven picks in the first round, they're usually not right away. Sorry. No, no one's talking? No. Okay. Uh, Usually the last five, six picks in the first round aren't expected NHL players. They usually stay in junior or if they're Europe or college, they stay there. So I I just brought that up because, like, obviously the the defensemen they have now, when Brody contracts up, when uh, if Lubushkin wants a pay raise, when his, if they re-sign him, Riley will want a pay raise. I just brought that up as a that gives you four years to try to work around it, but I don't like I don't know they could go forward. I I don't know that many players in the draft. Like I said, that was just an idea I had. I I think you're you got, you're onto something there. I, I could see Toronto picking a forward. Like obviously, if they can get some some other players in the in the Nick Robertson and the Matthew Nyes um, category up front, it will ease maybe down the road to try and bring in the Matthews, the Nylanders, like bring those guys back. Um, but in in terms of defense, I think Morgan Riley is here to stay. Brody, if they had something to replace Brody in two years, I could see him going. You know, like Sandy and Lilligren will find their spot. Uh, Tepi Nimela or whatever will probably end up finding a spot in here. But there's one other guy that I should mention, and I'm probably going to butcher his name. It's like Lian Brichelle. I could be wrong. He's like a Swiss. It's like a Swiss name. Anyways, this dude is huge. He's six foot five, two hundred and twelve pounds, and he's a left-handed shot. So if you could bring, if you drafted him, left him in, in either the Swiss league or or KHL wherever he's playing right now, um, I think he might be playing in. I, it doesn't say the team, the, the league that they're playing in. So he could be playing in one of those leagues over there. Um, but if they did what you said, Scott, with leaving him for four years, then he could be this, the second left or third left de- pairing defense with like a, a Numella or whomever they have, right? So I think defense yeah. might be not like the, the, the place that I would go to. They have they have some goalie prospects that, that aren't – goalies. the goalie prospect, like the, the pool for, for goalies in the, in the league's organization is not as bleak as it seems. Like they signed that guy from um, 
uh, was a Miso State or whatever. I forget his name mm-hmm. now. Uh, um, Nick, Nick, Nick something. Mc... Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, look it up. I forget his name. Um, but anyways, he ended up getting caught with taking performance enhancer drugs. Uh, apparently, it was by mistake. So driving a six-month ban. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you you could be onto something. But I I think that if Toronto could, if they if they don't hit an offense and they hit that second tier uh, forward group in the draft, that could produce a Matthew Nye style player. Like like I already mentioned, one was Owen Beck. Um, I think those type of players. Uh, they they could open up some space for Tron to do a little bit more crafty things with the cap now to pay off later, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But so, and I, I only brought up defense. I think it's easier to replace. I mean, unless it's like an Austin Matthews level. But I, I feel like it'd be easier to replace depth forward as it would depth defense. So that's why I just brought the defense because then they could build – uh, have them ready for the future because obviously even you said mentioned Riley's a lifer but he's on a what six year deal? I think it's seven. Then even Third after that though, then that he'll be what thirty two, something like that. Which no, I mean I, he I could take a pay cut. Of, well, he's what twenty five right now, isn't he? No, Riley, he's like twenty nine. Really, twenty nine. Yeah, he's twenty eight. But damn. Yeah. All right. Well then yeah, then Riley's out of the equation. I was gonna say then even after his new contract, he'll probably want to pay raise, but if he's gonna be uh thirty five when that contract's up, then I doubt he'll take a pay raise. But then yeah, I just figured with the, the defense they have now and Riley or Sandy and Lilligren wanting a potential pay raise when their contracts are up, whatever they make in the coming years. Labushkin, if he plays well, will probably want a bit more. Brody will want a bit more. I just figured it's easier to have those defense ready than the forwards because you could just replace the depth forwards in free agency. Um, I just want to put this out before we move on or get a word from our sponsor, actually. And, and we have to hear who uh, Kyle thinks they should pick. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry, Kyle. I've been rambling here. That's um, okay. You mentioned the Swedish defenseman. On mynhldraft.com, uh, which is basically what most, I guess, hockey people use for just like a mock draft when they're creating video game characters, whatever. Elias Samuelson, Swedish, right hand D, 6'1", 161 pounds, and he's slated to go 25th right now. So if they get him, if they draft him, he's Swedish, and, and they and I'll give you, I'll give you two bucks. How about that? Actually, I'll give you $25 if they pick him. Deal? Just for calling the Swedish defenseman pick. You'll get who? You. You. Okay. <laughs> if they pick him at 25 because you mentioned the Swedish defenseman tie. Kyle's just like, yeah, what, um, Chong over here? No idea what? what's going on. <laughs> just like, <laughs> doing it because 25 bucks. I was having a quick nap. Actually, I was doing a, I was doing a quick scout because uh, it's funny that you'd mentioned the my NHL draft because that was the one that I was looking at and I was going through a couple, couple of guys around the 25th spot and uh, – I actually, I actually liked uh, Elias Salmonson, and based off of what I was reading about him, um, he's like mature already in all this, and uh, good right-handed defenseman. Um, his positioning and stuff apparently isn't the best. I mean, he's tightened up on that, but 
he's very knowledgeable and um, he's very good under pre- very well well driven under pressure. So if he's like that already, then uh, yeah, I mean that's he looks solid. Owen Pickering, I like I like the fact that he's a big defenseman. Um, I don't know if he's one of those gentle giant defensemen. So um, I didn't get time to look into that enough. Yeah, and Owen Beck's supposed to go 28 on this website. I think Toronto could Toronto could pick him. He wouldn't be a bad pick. He's kind of like a... Uh, when I wrote a, a scouting report on him, my upside was Phil Deneau. I could be wrong on that. That's just what I saw from the videos that I watched. Uh, Phil Deneau and his his, his ceiling uh, was Phil Deneau. His basement was uh, David Camp. Yeah, two-way center. Mm-hmm. So, she'll be a little interesting to see what happens because this draft seems to be a little bit uh, deeper in the first round. And there's also, uh, I mean, Toronto doesn't have a second round pick, but there's also a, a decent amount of players in the second round that they could choose from. But, I mean, obviously, they've given their second round pick to Seattle for the James McCann. Is that the deal? I think so, yeah. I think that, oh, no, actually, it was the, what am I talking about? It was the Mark Giordano and... On Blackwell, I was like, they haven't made a deal with Seattle, have they? <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so we're gonna get a word from our sponsors here. Kyle's probably gonna do a little bit more pre scouting there. Um, and uh, we'll pick this conversation back up. We got a couple other things to talk about on more on a serious note. Uh, one of them, and one is just absolutely freaking hilarious. And then we're gonna end off with end off with our third round predictions here and close around. Uh, so we will be back few seconds. Enjoy. And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com Alrighty, we're back. Some big money to be made this round. Um, obviously, it's a hockey lover's dream. McKinnon, Matthews, Shosturkin, Vasilevsky. Um, Matthews. So, bet because I meant McDavid, McKinnon, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it always got Matthews on my mind, what can I say? Yeah, so um, does the rest yeah. of the fan bases. So. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, okay, so we're going to dial down the uh, the tempo here and and bring it to a more serious note. Uh, obviously, the second round is over, but in the second round, there is a uh, an incident that happened with the former Leaf that we want to discuss. So, uh, in the Colorado-St. Louis game, I think it was game five or four, the weak side defenseman, Tally Rosen, came in, pushed former Leaf, also former Leaf, Tally Rosen, uh, involved in the same deal to bring Tyson Berry and Kerfoot over to the Leafs. 
Um, but anyways, yeah, he pushed Nelson Kadri a little bit from behind. Nelson Kadri lost his balance, fell on Jordan Binghamton. Um, Binghamton ended up losing or leaving the game with an injury. Laird threw a water bottle, whatever, whatever. One thing I want to talk about. Nelson Kadri has been subject to racial profiling all of his NHL career. Not only his NHL career, but his life. There's been rumors that when he was on the Leafs, he didn't get the option or offer to play or the option to play in the NHL because of the color of his skin. Now, there hasn't been any confirmed reports. That's like 100% confirmed by him, but those are the reports that everyone's probably read. And 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 the tweets that people in the Facebook messages and the, and the Instagram messages that these people in St. Louis and all of the all of the United States and I guess some in Canada were sending out some country were just sickening. Um, like basically rallied you to the bone of the fact that people could say these type of things, not even getting his religion right. So that's just like I say this all the time. Google's a free service; just use it. Saw that from a TikTok show to the guy who said that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what your guys' opinion on the in the incident was, but I I would imagine that we would stand in a unified front here and say like we do not condone any Nazim Kadri hate. If if you don't like the player because of the player, that's fine. But if you don't like him because he's brown or because he, uh, whatever the reason is, that it doesn't need necessarily just need to be Nazim Kadri. But if you don't like a player because they're race or their religion, like get over yourself. Like I can't stress that enough. It's not as you are what's wrong with society. If you if you think that those messages that you sent were normal, you need to see a doctor like ASAP. That's disgusting. It's pitiful. It's it's just out of this world. I I don't even I can't even find the word to describe how that made me feel. But it was just like someone else take it away. I'm lost for words. But yeah, yeah like we, I, it's like just it. Uh, you you can have you can hate the player like Kadri. I mean, when you're playing against him, he's kind of like the Brad Marchand, like kind of like the rat um, gets under people's skin, or like our our guy Michael Bunting. Um, so. If you're a big fan of St. Louis in that situation, okay, yeah, you might not like the guy as a player, but don't go out and talk about other things like religion or skin color or whatever it is. Um, keep that out of it because what happens on the ice is different than that. Um, you you can dislike how he plays and all this, but don't bring any other crap into it. And, that, and that's the thing, yeah, you're right. That's the thing is it's crap. It's crap that people would openly say those type of things over a hockey game where if you watch the play, Nazem Kadru didn't jump like like Jeff Hardy off the top ropes if you're a WWE fan into his goal, into the goalie. Like, watch the play. Callie Rosen clearly has some kind of mix-up with Nazem Kadri going to the net. Nazem Kadri falls on Binghamton. Like, it wasn't Nick Kiprose on Grenfier. Like, and then, and then this type of stuff happens that just... It makes me not want to be a hockey fan anymore. Like, all of these people, like, hockey is so far behind. Like, it's a white man's club. It's a white man's sport. Like, it just pisses me off so much that people would say these things and think that it's normal and then go to sleep at night when their pillow or head hits the pillow and they've got kids and they just think, oh, that's normal that my kids are going to go to school tomorrow and repeat that same stuff to people who look like Nazem Kadri. It's disgusting. Grow the fuck up. Like I'm, I'm, I, it's sickening. I'm tired of going on my phone every day and seeing this type of stuff because someone's upset because their team lost. Your team was going to lose anyways. 
regardless of Binghamton in or out. St. Louis is not as good as Colorado, so don't blame it on Nazem Kadri and say that he deserves to die. And He's got a kid. There's no need for extra police protection around his family and his house and the team because of the color of skin. Hey, Scott, you can take it. Uh, yeah, I think well, it's, it's a two-way, and especially in this instance, and I'm going to touch on another instance in a minute, where not only is it the people who made the remarks, the racism, the, the bigotry, the discrimination, which shouldn't be a thing at all, or involved in anybody's, or anybody should have to deal with it in their everyday lives. It's also the people defending them. It's the, why uh, I don't like the players, so does that make me racist? I don't like the players, so does that make me racist? You can hate the player, does that make me racist? No, it's the people making racist remarks that are the racist. You can hate the player, but not because of the color of his skin. And this goes back to a couple minutes ago, what I just said uh, about making the other point is, is the same thing's happening with Star Wars. And the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show off topic a little but it still relates because this is a sports podcast but and the new actress in star wars is black and she's been getting messages and messages i think it's like thousands of messages about how people hate her and how she shouldn't be in star wars because she's black and all racist remarks and discriminatory remarks all because of the color of her skin and all over twitter people are defending these people oh i don't like the character does that make me racist oh i don't like her character i think she's born does that make me racist no what makes you racist is saying she doesn't deserve to be a person because she's black what makes you racist is saying nazim Kadri doesn't deserve to live because he's muslim what makes you racist is making fun of someone the color of their skin which has no regard or no involvement in the situation whatsoever it's kind of pathetic that at this point in our the human race all the the progress people have made all the fights people have been forced to live or live through and at all of that has gone for nothing because people still think that way. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of people being put down and discriminated and, and treated less than animals for nothing because people still treat people like that. They still ignore them because they're black or think little of them because they're women or don't even identify them as people because they're trans. Like it's kind of pathetic that 2022 and we're still doing this shit. Like time to move on. You can hate the guy, like Spencer and Kyle and myself have said. You can hate the guy for what he did. If you think it was an egregious play, think it's an egregious play. But don't hate the guy because he, uh, what is he, Tamil? Or has brown skin? In all actuality, he's Canadian. Yeah, but I heard his his religion is like a Tamil background. Yeah, but like to to bring his race into it because you're mad that your goalie got hurt in the playoffs of an NHL game. Like, there's more important things in the world. You made it a whole lot bigger because you brought race into it. And it's kind of pathetic. And it's really getting old. And and there's one other thing that happened in that series. Apparently, this was on the Cam and Trick podcast. Apparently, there was a situation. Um, I think it was in St. Louis. Or maybe it was in Colorado from St. Louis fans. But anyways, these people were like heckling this little kid because she was wearing like an Adam Kadri jersey or she was wearing a Colorado jersey or whatever. And these people were like, like, St. Louis fans were like heckling them. And then Cam, Jan- uh, yeah, Cam Jans was just like, "You're putting a bad rap on St. Louis." Meanwhile, like you might not even be from St. Louis. Like now, everyone's thinking St. Louis is like scumbagish, like, racist, this that, the other. But like, 
in reality, those people, and that's the thing about these these situations, that some of those messages could have been from someone who is a trauma belief fan. It doesn't necessarily need to be America or uh, or St. Louis. It, it just like the cowards come out when when the whole other like when other people agree with them, then then you see cowards come on the woodwork and say, "Oh, you deserve to die because of this." Like, no, go back into your home and stay there for the rest of your life because your your opinion has no no bearing on this situation. Like Scott said, it doesn't matter his color of skin. It's it's getting pathetic. It's getting old. And and one of the reasons why we decided to bring this up, well, I actually decided to bring this up. Which is based on his history with trauma, trauma police, and him getting suspended two years in the row in the playoffs, and people belittling him and saying all this, basically all the same stuff that people are saying now. But then those Leafs fans turn around and say, uh, 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 "Don't be rude to Nazem Kadri," kind of thing. But like, so in the grand scheme of things, the reason why we brought people may not agree with what we're saying or or whatever, I don't care. We brought it up because it's a trauma police podcast, and Nazem Kadri to to us, us three. Where I'm, I could, I think we can. I can speak for all of us when I say Nazem Kadri was. We're all fans of Nazem Kadri. Um, may not be the biggest fans, but I thought he was a good dude. To be honest, he's good in the community, good hockey player, great with the media. He was that first player that we drafted in a while that that brought spark to the team. And and it just sucks to see him go on. And, well, I mean, and and then in reality, he scores what four points in one game, and he's like showboating the crowd and. That's why I love Nassim Kadri because, and then after he says, like, I've been dealing with this stuff my whole life, kind of pulls up the heartstrings a bit. No, I also thought was really gutless was, uh, who was it? St. Louis's coach, Berube? Is that his name? Greg Berube? Uh, yeah. 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 And now after it was revealed that it, it was all happening and, and that they, they showed, uh, like, screenshots of all the messages and he just went to the media and said, no comment. Like now is not the time for you to keep your trap shut. Yeah, yeah. Now's the time to come out and publicly bash the people who did it and say like the St. Louis Blues don't stand with that. Yeah. But for you to say no comment just made you look bad. Because I guarantee you, if sorry to interrupt you, Scott, but I guarantee you, if no, no. something happened to one of one of his players on the Blues, he would he would not say no comment. Yeah. The sad thing is when. I mean, the next day when they talked to him, like someone in the in this blues organization must have said, like, give your head a shake. Cause then he came out and said, like, I am a, a Native American and I I've dealt with this. If you're I'm not discrediting that he's a Native American, I'm not saying if you're Native American, you should. But if you've experienced that kind of stuff in your life, it should hit some kind it of should home hit home to you. Yeah. Yeah. That the fact like my the fans, even if it this is again, it goes back to what I'm saying, like even if it wasn't the fans of St. Louis you still are under the impression that the fans of St. Louis are doing this, and you should you should be like Edwin Encarnacion and the Blue Jays 2015 or whatever when the fans were throwing stuff on the players. Like you go to the crowd, you go to the media, and you say, "Knock the shit off!" Like I'm Native American, you guys support me. Why can't you support him because he's Tamil or Muslim? Well, technically Canadian, but his religion. That's what pisses me off. He goes yeah. to the media and say no comment, and then backtrack because someone higher than you said, "Pull your head on your ass." Let's talk. Which. If that's the case, it reminds me of the scene from 42, the Jackie Robinson movie, where the guy was, like, ripping him on the field and calling him the N-word, and, like, Jackie Robinson had the fit in the dugout because he couldn't do anything because they wouldn't let him. But then the the GM of the Phillies or the owner of the Phillies called him and said, like, you need to make a public apology. Time to step up and, and represent the Phillies instead of yourself. 
if that's the case, then that, that just reminds me of that, where he said no comment because he didn't actually care. But then St. Louis realized it made them look bad, especially the no comment thing. And then they stepped in and said, no, you're making a statement, and it better be good. Not even that it was good. Yeah. I don't It was just, yeah. I heard the whole thing. It was like something. 45 seconds. Um, but another thing that's really sad is you still have the people out there who say keep politics on a sports Hockey isn't racist. Uh, it's just the woke the woke mob coming for hockey. Hockey, yeah, there may be people in the hockey community. Most of the fans aren't racist. But there's been too many incidents in the past 50 years of hockey since it started, really, with the uh, Anglo, Anglophone, Francophone divide, where you, you, you can't say hockey English isn't. English and French, for those people who don't know what that is. Yeah, but yeah, at the time, they called them Anglophones and Francophones. There's been too much history of, of discrimination, bigotry, and racism for you to not to say, or for you to not say that it has some kind of ingrainment in the sport. Look at the Subban brothers. Look at the Boko Amama. Uh, who was it that had the, the the junior player? Was that Subban that they did the monkey taunt, but then he just pretended he was Tom yeah. Wilson? The player who yeah, got the banana uh, thrown at him. Um, Wayne, Simmons. Wayne Simmons in Philadelphia with the stories he's told. Yeah, there's that's been the two... banana thing. Oh, is it? There's there's too yeah. many incidents in the past history of hockey to say that there isn't some kind of racist ingrainment in the sport, and it's kind of sad that people still defend it even after all this stuff has happened, and is still happening. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, we'll obviously wrap up this topic because sometimes people don't like. Uh, this kind of stuff being talked about on, on podcasts or shows or whatever, or, or partnerships or whatever, like whatever. We obviously know that it's probably not what everyone wants to hear, but the sad reality is if it makes you uncomfortable, do something about it because it shouldn't make you uncomfortable. You should be able to hear this kind of stuff and realize, okay, something's wrong. If it makes you uncomfortable, talk about, look in the mirror, figure out why it makes you uncomfortable and change that because that's how we're going to make a better society for then future kids uh, to play hockey, to play sports, and to be loved in this world just like every other person should be and is if you're not a minority. Um, so, not that Kadri will have a listen to this, but if he is, we love you. We support you. We stand with Kadri. I want him to win the cup just for this because that will be a huge kick in the ass to all those people that said you don't deserve to play because you're brown. Uh, Kyle's going to hit you with the next and final last. Uh, yep, I'm going to start that over. Kyle's going to hit you with the final uh, news and note headline for the day. Uh, then we're just going to get into our third round predictions and then close her off. Uh, take her away, Kyle. Yeah, just uh, just moving on from that uh, touchy subject. Um, we're going to go into more of a positive note for, for us Leafs fans. Um, Florida um, losing in four to Tampa. Wow. Who would have uh, who would have predicted you that? You suck. <laughs> who would have predicted that? I right? I think I so, predicted that, didn't I? Uh, no, I'm gonna go back and look. Yeah, go back and look. But um, Scott said Tampa and six. You were actually so far <laughs> off; it wasn't even funny. <laughs> um, I said yeah. Florida and six. So we the the, the Leafs go to uh, go to seven games with Tampa and. Florida can't even win, can't even win one. That makes us feel pretty good, and we get a better, uh, 
better draft pick than Florida would. I mean, not that Florida's getting one because they spent all their draft picks for like the next three years or whatever on Sherratt and Giroux just to make the second round and get knocked out. But yeah, and not uh, have a power play goal all playoff. Yeah, that's that's besides the point. Uh, My Florida not making the playoffs next year prediction is looking pretty good. Okay, easy there, buddy. He's probably sitting in there with a freaking chain on, a cigar hanging on his mouth and sunglasses. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm the boss. Like, relax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For some reason, the words thug life popped up above my head. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Kyle said that's a story. Or that's uh, besides the point. But, uh, yeah, they didn't have a power play goal. At, some, at <laughs> times, they had five. <laughs> <laughs> at times, they had five forwards on, still couldn't crack it. And they only scored three goals on Vas- Vasilevsky. Who allowed six last night to the Rangers? So, but at the same time, it doesn't make me feel any different about the fact that the Leafs lost because oh, it makes yeah, me feel okay. Good. They went to six. Yeah, I'm sure it does, buddy. Um, no, it does because Florida had the longest first round drought besides the Leafs. They had the longest. Now the Leafs have it, but then they obviously made it to the second round. So now, obviously, again, the Leafs have the longest first round winless drought or whatever in NHL. But then they got swept in the second round, so it made that even more better because they're advancing past the first round amount to nothing. Yeah, you know what wasn't good about that that you just said? Your sentence structure. The sentence? More better. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it even more better. Nice. No, I think you said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't try. No, it's on recording, bro. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just play you the recording. Um. The other thing that kind of makes me laugh about the whole scenario is uh, when Tron got beat by Tampa, everyone's like, oh, yeah. Like, everyone, well, Tampa players said it was the hardest series they played. And obviously, like, you get paid to say that. But, like, everyone was just like, oh, yeah, Florida's going to walk all over them, blah, blah, blah. Not including me because I did say Florida and six, but I didn't think that it was going to be a walk. But, uh, yeah, then Tampa just absolutely kicked the living heck out of them. Like, in all assets of the game, all facets of the game, not assets of the game, sorry. Um, it was just like, I watched the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the third period game four. Florida had nothing going on, like no energy, nothing. Mackenzie Weger took 1800 stupid penalties in that, in that series. They, they missed assignments on the one game when it was like two seconds left and Kucherov passed down front to Ross Col- uh, Colton to score. Like Florida just didn't look like they deserved to be there. Which that's where it pisses me off because, I mean, not the Toronto deserve to be there after losing two games in a row, but still, I think that Toronto. If that was a second round series, I think that Toronto would have been able to close it out. But yeah, I think uh, I think Scott could be nearing nearing, uh, I guess, actuality with that with that prediction that he had because Florida literally gave up mortgage their whole future for four years for two guys who, I mean, Sherrod might sign, but Giroux's landing spot yeah. likely landing spot is Ottawa, so. Yeah. And it'll just make it all the more better. Yep, and this guy still can't still can't speak. <laughs> actually, um, that sentence was that sentence was proper. Actually. It makes it all. Yeah. The more okay. Better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you say, Professor X. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, the other thing about Florida is Barkov has an extension that uh, starts next year, and I think Huberto is a free agent two years so, or one year after this. So that will be interesting. Scott could be right there. And if he is right, listeners of the Least Talk Forever podcast, you will never live it down. This yeah, guy will bring it up every day. We won't hear the end of it. 
You definitely right. Yeah, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna wake up first thing in the morning, and be like, "Yeah, I was right about Florida." Like, buddy, it's been forty years. <laughs> Am you, I right, Scott? You're just bad at making bets. That's why. <clears throat> what bets do? Look at that. Oh yeah, the Marcus Ma- Marcus Semien. Yeah. You said he was gonna hit over the thirty-five home runs, yeah. and he had yeah, there's still lots of time. There's still lots yeah. Of we time. bet we bet ten dollars on that, and uh, he had his two. Yeah, if and, uh, two months in the season he only has one, he's not getting to thirty-five. Hey, he has two. He had one today. Thank you very much. Okay, he has two. He only needs 28 more. Um, Maybe the deadline Tron will acquire him again, and he'll just go off and hit 48. Let's get into the third-round predictions, because I know Kyle wants to touch a little bit on the Jays before I wrap it up in their eight-game winning streak. So third-round predictions, conference final. Uh, Avs, Oilers, Tampa, Rangers. Let's make the predictions right now. We actually made these predictions prior yeah, the but night. We're of. gonna say them now. This yeah, the night of before seven the o'clock. Yeah, it was like seven o'clock when the game started at eight o'clock Eastern uh, Eastern time. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle, take her away. Uh, I had the Abs in six and Tampa Bay in six. I think they're both going to be close series, um, unless Tampa Bay plays like they did the other night against the Rangers. Uh, Rangers just walked all over them, um, and that Abs. Uh, Edmonton game that was crazy. Uh, I think Edmonton's going to be able to pull off a couple, but uh, Avs I think are going to win. Um, I think Edmonton's going to be able to win, win one at home at least. Uh, I'm thinking too, but uh, yeah, both teams uh, Avs and six, Tampa Bay and six. Uh, Scott, you want me to go? Uh, yeah, you can go. It doesn't matter. Okay, I got abs in five because they're going to kick the living uh, uh, doo-doo out of the Edmonton Oilers. And Tampa Bay in seven. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was actually going to choose switch that. This is for people who listen to the podcast. I was going to switch and choose the Rangers. But then I said Tampa Bay doesn't lose back-to-backs, and Tampa Bay is good closing out the series. So Tampa in seven. Yeah, you also couldn't have switched it because we picked them before the playoff series started. Yeah, I know, but I was going to switch it today. I literally texted you guys saying, I'm going to switch mine to the Rangers for the podcast because I wanted it to be different. And then I was, you're like, yeah, it's not like we're going to switch it because of the result last night. And I was like, damn it, this guy's on to me. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, so I just got something going on here. Something fishy. Um, yeah, uh, pretty much. He called, he, my, he called my bluff, and I was like, fudge. So. Yeah. So you picked Tampa and seven. Sir, and me, I have Colorado one six. Uh, I much like Kyle, I think they're gonna. Well, I mean, maybe not dominate if it's six games, but they're gonna win the games they do win, they're gonna win handedly. And then Edmonton may win a few, and then not looking too good, but I had Tampa in five, uh, just because I thought they would have carried over the momentum of the Florida series. Turns out they didn't. In that game, at least, so they need to win four straight for me to be right on that one. Which isn't gonna happen. They could, you don't know. No one expected them to win four straight against Florida. Secretly, I texted another group chat that I have, and I oh, said yeah. Tampa in four. With, with just yourself. Tampa. <laughs> hey, shut up! <laughs> it's just my. It's just me on my MacBook, on my iPad, and on my phone. I'm like, you're an idiot. Why would you say Tampa in four? And then after I was like. You know, uh, actually, I forget the song, so I'm not going to sing. 
Um, I, it's Gangsters in Paradise, actually. I don't rem- I don't actually know the words to it, but look it up on it's TikTok. Gangsters, Gangsters Paradise. Yeah, I don't even know the song name. I just know that's <laughs> funny on TikTok. So look up <laughs> Gangsters Paradise. Gangsters with an A. Yeah, by Coolio. By Coolio. Uh, yeah, we can't actually, actually play the recording on there because we don't have the rights to it. So, yeah, he is actually. He's actually close. in some of those videos now, yeah. The husband and wife or whatever. Yeah, and it is Coolio to see him in it. <laughs> Put him. All right, Kyle, you want to talk about the Jays quick here? Hey, hey, we want to talk about the Jays quick here before we wrap it up. Um, You're the Jays guy, so go at it. Oh, okay. Well, you guys, you guys follow it, I know, but. Uh... Yeah, I don't usually miss a game. But, uh, yeah, eight-game eight winning streak now from the Jays. Um, their offense has been crazy compared to what we had a slump of uh, against Tampa Bay and the uh, the Yankees, I believe it was, in Cleveland. Um, we were terrible for three series. We went, like, five and ten or something like that. I don't know the exact number, but it wasn't very good. And now we've turned it around. Um, swept the Angels in four. Angels are a pretty good team. Um, and then just swept the White Sox today in three. And this weekend we are facing the number one team in the AL Central, the Twins, uh, at home, the Rogers Center, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, should be a really good series. Um, we need we need to uh, solidify a series. Uh, I'm hoping for at least two out of three here. Um, we currently hold the number one wild card spot, and we are three and a half behind the Yankees. Um, actually, no, we're five games back of the Yankees. My apologies. I was looking at something else. Um, so we're also hoping on the Yankees, uh, the Yankees to lose, but I just got a notification saying Jamison Tyone is uh perfect through seven innings so that's not looking too good for tonight but uh game's still tied zero zero between the Yankees and the Angels right now. So um you guys no, got anything time. else? Yeah there's still time. Uh I just want to ask you did you sell one uh home run by Vladdy and like uh, I forget who it was off of it was like the third game of the year. Remember that time that you like cranked it off the the front of the wall on the uh, upper deck, the flight deck, the WestJet flight deck. Oh damn! You actually saw that? I was just trying to test you. Yeah, that <laughs> you said you don't miss a game. <laughs> so that, yeah, that one that landed way up there. Yeah, that was pretty. That was uh, yeah. I actually, have... I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I actually, I I was just making that up. No, I was just expecting to say no. I didn't see that. No, <laughs> so the funny thing is, like, you're, you're actually right. There was one that he hit off of like the WestJet flight deck, like beginning of the year. Oh, okay. Well, I that's weird because I was just th- sitting here thinking, like, ah, oh, damn, I gotta think of something. So then he'll say, "No, I don't remember that." And I'll be like, "Oh, no, he, I thought you watched every game." Yeah, no. Uh, this guy devotes was... his, his whole life to watching like 162 baseball games, but he can't he can't watch more than like I don't know 30. 30 uh, NHL games. Like every time I talk to this guy, he's just watching UFC. Okay, that's that's every Saturday. I've got that set out. That's half yeah. the season. <laughs> you you guys know. you guys like watching UFC too, so like the big the big yeah, non twenty years. No, we want <laughs> we like to watch Jake Paul boxing. Yeah, I've watched UFC since like twenty fourteen. Don't yeah, since uh, I don't know since Rampage Jackson left. 
Same I actually haven't watched it since Royce Gracie, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it. Yeah, they just did the one tournament in every pay-per-view. Yeah, I actually haven't watched it since Bruce Lee was around. <laughs> oh, God. The last yeah. fighting tournament I watched was probably Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> last one I watched was probably just Chuck Norris throwing roundhouses. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like Family Guy. Roundhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> 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 just like uh just like when Lois goes uh goes boxing. Oh yeah, that was and he's just like rising up and then Clark's like get on here, no no <laughs> Yeah, I promise you if we do a live stream, there's gonna be a time that me and Kyle are gonna start singing that. And then Kyle, Scott's gonna come across the screen and go, rah, rah, rah. I don't know how he's gonna get to where Kyle lives, but we'll figure it out. He'll <laughs> <laughs> get you. He'll get you, not me. Yeah, and then Kyle just take the lead. He'll be like that guy from We Are the Millers, you know, when it's, it's like uh, Oh man, what's that song that he's singing? Oh, Waterfall by TLC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's just like everything goes quiet, he's just still saying that's gonna be Kyle after you shove me off the mic and Kyle's just gonna be like, rising up back on the streets. Yeah, that's my stand voice, everyone. I actually auditioned for American Idol. Simon Kyle said I was too good. So I, I don't know how I didn't win, but he said, Wow, you are a naturally born singer. Go do something else with your life. I was like, yeah. Are you sure you weren't just playing the PS3 game or PS2 game? <laughs> oh man, funny story about that game. When I was like, I don't know, 10, 11 years old when, when we had that game. Uh, and then the, our sister who owned it, she gave it to our brother. And I went over to his house to play with my niece. We're about the same age, like a year apart. And I beat her in singing uh, Jesse McCarthy or whatever. And she had like a high pitched voice, and not that I didn't have a high pitched voice, but my brother was making fun of me the whole time because I beat her in a song that she should beat me. But what can I say? I was I forget the song, but I'll find it and then I'll sing it to you guys next time, next week. So be ready. Okay, well, um, well I'll be in the back. Speaking about the Blue Jays, they suck. I'm actually a huge Yankees fan. Go Anthony Rizzo. Go Joey oh, Gallo. Cool. And I love that guy. Um, what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's their center fielder. You just oh, named two guys that aren't even oh. the biggest guys, but apparently you're a Yankees fan. You just named like two What do you mean? That would be too obvious. If I was going to say I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm obviously not going to say I love uh, – um, I actually don't know really many Red Sox players. Who? Xander Bogarts. Ah, yes. Yeah, the best shortstop in the league. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Diverse, diverse. Yeah, yeah. I forget. I think it's Craig Ballish J-Stock. If you listen, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, I think he calls him diverse. Anyways, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge Arizona Diamondbacks fan, and I love um, uh, Mazin Bumgarner. Oh, Martel so. Marte. Ah, yeah, Martel. Yeah, is <laughs> it <laughs> Martel? <laughs> Martel. Um, you just mixed up his yeah. first name with his last name. You just combined <laughs> the two. Yeah, and I also do that for Shea with Tani. I think it's actually Shohei, but I say I, what? <laughs> I, I say Sheho instead of Shohei. I don't know why. And then, I, and then when anyone corrects me, I'm like, I don't care. I don't like the dude anyway. Sheho. Um, shut up, Kyle. You couldn't even count the months. You're like May, <laughs> June. <laughs> had your fingers in your toes. Like, October, you had, July. <laughs> you had twenty digits. I don't count it. Okay, okay so, so you're dyslexic and I can't count. We both have issues. Scott, what's your issue? <laughs> Uh, he's act- Scott actually has like this severe issue with his back, so that's why I call him Professor X. It was kind of an inside joke, but Professor X is the one in the wheelchair in X Men, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I also sometimes say sentences wrong, and Spencer corrects me on them. Yeah, which is funny because, well, I always say everything wrong, and and Scott's too scared to correct me because I'm such a big dude. I'll take him on. You're like four Um, inches taller. That's a joke. Yeah, four inches, I got more muscle than you. Four inches and like 50 pounds. I remember when me and Spencer, kind of off topic, but when me and Spencer were playing, uh, what was it, floor hockey in, in class, Oh, um, yeah, in college? Oh, yeah, and I took out that one kid? I didn't want to go near you because I was like, okay, he's going to try and hit me. He's got, like, he's got some weight on me. I'm not... not I think I have 100 guy. pounds on you. You do have 100 pounds. We've talked about this before. You guys played um, floor hockey in college? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we also played, we also played uh, inside soccer, and I just destroyed this one guy who was a goalie. It was a bit... <laughs> What Anyways, class was this? Gym. We took sports gym? administration. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fitness. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was combined. Some days we'd get yeah. like, we'd get some fun games and basketball. Um, yeah, and our teacher was a sweet dude, so he, he was. Chill. But yeah, anyways, and I took out this one guy who was playing goalie, and I thought it was so funny. Then I looked down, I ripped my pants. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> And I had fucking oh, pardon me. I had like rug burn on my knee too. <laughs> anyway, it's completely off topic. So, for, what do you mean the floor on the floor? I had like floor burn. Well, it wasn't a rug. We weren't playing on a rug. But anyways, <laughs> let's he was, move on. He was wrestling someone on the rug. Yeah, that was the joke. Anyways, there's kids that listen to this, so let's uh, avert the uh, conversation here. Shout out to all the kids. Keep listening. Keep dreaming. And do what you want to do. Don't listen to Kyle because he's a prevert. Um, stop knocking. Closing. What do you mean? What? Huh? But he just says what on the mic? Like what? Because he said you're, he, you. You call him a pervert. <laughs> I call him a pre. I call him a prevert. Anyway, let's close off this thing. Uh, enough with the Jays talk. They suck. Uh, go Padres. Go uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I heard he had three home you runs. Said the the you said the D-backs. You said the Yankees. You said the Red Sox. And now you're under the Padres. I think Spencer's favorite team is the Padres. Yeah, yeah, I actually love teams that lose 21 to 5. Yeah. No, but in all honesty, I love. I think Fernando Tatis had three home runs the other day. Did you see that, Kyle? Tatis is hurt. Oh, uh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was just my video game. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Sorry that we went a little off topic, but that was funny. Um, buy merch. We might have a surprise for you guys in a couple weeks here. We have some kind of decent news that we need to discuss as a, as a team and kind of get back to you guys on if we're going to do it. But if we do do it, take part, and uh, there's a chance to win a prize. Uh, like us on social media or follow us, whatever you need to do. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, yeah, go leaves go, and uh, we'll see you next uh, next week. Thank you. Bye, brothers. Thanks, and sisters. Go leaves go.